Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters podcast from GP Strategies, your talent transformation partner. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts and explore best practices and innovative insights to help your organization improve performance. Hello and welcome to the Performance Matters podcast. And I believe at time of release here, I need to wish you a happy new year. Happy 2024. It's amazing. We're in the year 2024. I'm your host, Michael Teal, and I've got to tell you, it is just a blast doing the Performance Matters podcast. We have so many amazing thought leaders on here. And you know what? We thought for this new year, we would kickstart it off with what I would consider to be one of the most important yet underlooked and under-resourced areas of organizational performance, and that is measurement. Really, this elusive goal of how do you link your investment in talent and learning, and how do you link that to real-world performance? There's an art and a science to do this, and we have an amazing, amazing resource within GP Strategies that can help show us some of the best practices and ways to go. I'm pleased to be joined in the virtual studio by Bonnie Beresford, or I might even call her Dr. Bonnie. Bonnie has a PhD in human capital management from Bellevue University. And she has been an active practitioner in this world of performance measurement, learning analytics for decades. She has so much to offer. We invited Bonnie to come on today to share with us what she might consider her top five measurement best practices. I just want to say welcome to Dr. Bonnie Beresford. How are you doing today, Bonnie? Well, first, Happy New Year to you too, Michael. Thank you so much. And and you and I always have a good time talking together. So I'm looking forward to this. I am honored to have you here. You've had a chance, you know, whether it's through proposal development or just um, I've had a chance to really actually engage with you in your measurement map course that we also host here at GP Strategies. And I've learned so much from you and I can't wait to learn more today. For many of our listeners, they might not be familiar with you. And I just wanted you to, if you're okay with it, just share a little bit of your bio, you know, your professional background and why you love the world of performance measurement and analytics so much. All right. At my heart, at the heart of me, I guess, I'm kind of a data (laughs) geek. I'm one of those people that, uh, you know, I see the little graphs in USA Today and I'm always kind of analyzing that. But what happened is I was working in, in a training environment and I saw that people are spending hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars on training. And the question was, is it working? And I had Mm. to scratch my head and say, well, I'm wondering that too. And being a data geek, that just drove me to dig into the numbers. And I had one client many years ago that he said, I am tired of being the fall guy. I don't know if this has ever been you, but when things go south, they blame training. Right. The training wasn't good enough or whatever. When things go well, oh, what a great sales and marketing team we have. What great advertising, what new product (laughs) features we have. And training never gets the credit. And he was tired of being that guy. And so he came to me and said, I need to be able to show evidence of what I'm doing. And that true business need from that learning leader set me on Mm. this journey to really figure out how the, the what and the why and the how of actually doing measurement. We all okay. know the you know the levels and all that sort of thing, but do we really know how to do it? 
And so as I was cracking the code on that, it became my passion to share it with other people. This shouldn't be Bonnie's private secret sauce. And so that's <laughs> where we, you mentioned our measurement academy. And so GP has a measurement academy where we teach this to others because measurement should be something every organization mm. wants to do and has the capability to do. And you know what? You might be far too humble to say it right here, but for those listeners out there, if you're not aware of it, Bonnie is the designer, the inventor of the measurement map, which is a trademark diagnostic tool that she uses as part of her overall practice to help organizations link uh, and really make that connection between learning and real world performance. And I know there's so much more to it than just the measurement map, Bonnie, but I'll have to say the first time I saw that lightning bolts shot out of my head and I went, oh my gosh, you're right. Because I've been in the training world for about 20 years now. And it's always that holy grail of saying, how do I really know if this money I'm pouring, this money and time I'm pouring into this learning, this training, whatever, is it really making a difference? Is there is there some causal chains? And um, you've done so much to advance that yield. Thank you on behalf of so many of us learning practitioners out there. So it's just an honor to, to have you on here today. And you know what, what we said to you is, okay, Bonnie, all right, if, if we had to um, force your hand, twist your arm, that kind of thing, not that, not that we promote that at GP Strategies, but if we did, Bonnie, if you had five things that you could share as best practices, what would they be? Are you up for sharing a few tips and strategies, some things to get people going? Yeah, I think I've been doing this long enough. I could come up with five really key things that, that I have seen uh, okay. in organizations that are actually able to do measurement. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to put you come to up the with test. More. We'll, get to, we'll keep I'm it gonna, to the top I'm going to push you to the test. If you can come up with more, that's fine. But five would be great. And, you know, I'm just going to start out with this for those that are like, hey, this measurement thing sounds cool. Let's just start out with the level setting, what you mean by measurement as it pertains to the world of learning and development, talent transformation, that kind of thing. So give me a, just a basic definition here first. You know, I'm glad you asked that, Michael, because people do say, well, I want measurement. But then you ask them, what do you want? What do you mean? And so, of course, I went to ChatGPT because I, I did. I wanted to see what, what does ChatGPT say? What, what is measurement? <laughs> and I'm going to quote here. Measurement okay. is the process of quantifying or determining the extent, dimensions, quantity, or capacity of something. Okay. okay. Now, that is what is a measurement. Okay. An right. inch, a pound, a gallon of gas. That is a measure. It's good for quantifying something. But the real magic, when we're talking about measurement, it's not just how much. It's like, what did it mean? So when I think of measurement, it's not just having that data. It's also the analysis that goes with it. So you're really taking that data. But the real magic of that is the analysis is from uncovering the insights where mm. you can determine what's working and what's not. It's not a question of what is measurement, but it's almost like why? is measurement. Why do we want to measure? What do we want to uncover? You know, in That's any really scientific field, they're, they're, they're using measurement to answer questions. They set up hypotheses. And when you think about it, that's what we're doing. My hypothesis is that my training will improve sales. My training will mm. reduce injury rates. My training will do this. These are really hypotheses. You can get data, but you've got to analyze it to find out, okay, is it working? What I'm hearing from you though, Bonnie, is that 
when it comes to measurement, it's the almost acting like a detective. It's what am I observing and why? I can see why you, that's so fascinating to you on that end. So I've been watching on, um, I think it's Amazon Prime, a show called Bosch. I don't know if you've heard of that before, but it, it ran not. for seven seasons. Okay, he's a detective in LA. And actually last night he had said, hey, listen, the video cameras that are catching things are just recording what happened. The detective answers why it's happening and fills in those blanks. So I'm also, I'm going to look at you kind of like a, a very seasoned detective, a data detective here on that end. Yeah, that's what we want to do. Any, you know, any LMS can spit out the numbers of how many people attended or whatever. That's not useful. I mean, that's, that's not what we really mean by rich learning measurement. You need those right. data points. Sure. But it's not going to ask the question of, did it work? Okay. And that's where we're going right now in this conversation is how do you really get going on this thing? So I'm going to start this off with by asking you, you know, for those organizations who really want to approach measurement and analysis more seriously, what would be the first thing that they should start doing or, or thinking about or considering? This first one might seem obvious, but it often doesn't happen. And that's called have a plan. Measurement okay. has to be <laughs> me measurement has to be intentional. You don't just happen upon it. You have to plan for it. And organizations that do it well look at what's what's coming in the what's coming in 2024. How many big initiatives do we have? What kind of measurement do we want to do on those? Um, the ROI Institute uh, and Jack and Patty Phillips set out some guidelines for how many of your initiatives should be measured at level one, you know, the satisfaction. And that's like 100% you should measure. But how much at level two? And there it's like 60 to 90. And then they go to three and four and level five. And so by the time you're getting into that impact measurement, it's like 10%-ish or so of your programs. Business impact measurement is not for your five-minute web course. It's for, <laughs> it might be for your sales curriculum, Okay. made up of many courses, or it might be for a major uh, training event or a leadership development program or an onboarding program. But anyway, the annual plan is where are you going to spend resources and set that up front so that you can then plan for it. Another thing you, when it comes to setting mm. your annual plan around measurement is do we need to invest in any tools? Do we want, hey, this year we want to build a Power BI dashboard. We want to bring in a learning record store. That should be all part of your plan too, because those are all things that come out of the measurement domain, but you need to plan for them just like you would plan for any other training program. So, and, and you're saying, what I'm hearing is it's almost more of a, the same approach that a marketing organization would take. You don't just go, you, you look at a year and you make strategic objectives, strategic goals. Mm -hmm. um, you, you outline budget and provisions for things. So you're saying really adopting the same mentality for um, your learning analytics is a prudent move. That's like step one, right? Yes, you do. You want to plan for it. Make it intentional. If, if you don't set it up at the beginning when you're, when you're doing all of your planning, that measurement is going to be a part of it. By measurement, I mean more than just your completions and your level ones. 
Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what we want to get to, and the thing I've always dreamed about has been truly measuring that business impact, right? Yes. That's the, and it's, it's always seemed so elusive to finally get to measuring that, you know, because of not having the right tools in, for the job there. I think you actually might've snuck in, in my mind, a second best practice beyond just having a plan, which was you talked about resources there. And you, you actually fired off a couple of those resources that I'm wondering if you could reverse this up a little bit. So you'd you'd mentioned learning record store. That was one thing. Can you break that down a little bit more as some of these emerging resources? Yeah. And and I'm glad you came back on the resources because actually I think that would be my number two. You can have a plan, but if you don't have the resources to do it, you're not going to do it. You might have a lot of wonderful instructional designers, but if you don't have somebody that gets data and wants to play in your data, you're not going to get very good measurement. So let me, yeah, talking about resources, let, let me talk about three things there. First is, in general, a budget. Measurement's not free. Just like instructional design or video production is not free. Under the budget, you're going to have staff. Now, whether that's your team, whether you have to pull somebody in from another department who's who's a real good data person, or whether you contract it, you need somebody who can really dig into your data. So you're saying it's not a hobby, right? It's not, oh, take five minutes and just magically coalesce all of this. You actually need to say, we need to put a person in place, whether it's full-time or or a part-time share, somebody who's knows what they're doing and can make some intelligent analysis happen. Yes. Yep. Okay. And it, you know, it, you might have somebody on your team already. Sometimes you might have an LMS administrator who just is dying to get into the numbers. They may or may not have the mathematical chops to do it, but maybe they do. And maybe this is a good career opportunity for them. It's got to be somebody who's not scared of data. And I know a lot, honestly, I know a lot of learning people who almost get hives when they think about data. So that's not going to be your measurement person. (laughs) That's not the person. I see what you mean. Okay. Okay. So you said staff was one of the resources. What would be another thing that would fall under resources? Then you've got the tools. And depending on your learning ecosystem, you know, you maybe you have one LMS and that's it. Then all your learning data is right there. That's neat and tidy. But if you have other platforms, If you have a video platform and a learning experience platform, like an Intrepid or a Degreed or something like that, Mm. if you're using LinkedIn Learning or Skillsoft, and you've got all this training data from all over the enterprise, getting that all together in one spot to report on is very difficult. And that's where a learning store, something like like a watershed comes in there because they will take that and commonize it and then automate the updates So all the data from all these different sources comes together. And guess what? When it's all together, then you can analyze it all. If you've got some in your LMS and some sitting over in LinkedIn Learning and some sitting over with Intrepid, you're going to have a hard time pulling that together. It'll be manual. Every time you ask a question, it will be manual. Bonnie, when I picture that, I picture getting like 19 emails with 19 different Excel spreadsheets on it and then asking somebody to take that and make sense of it. And that sounds overwhelming. So what I'm hearing you saying, something like like a watershed, a learning record store, I think is what you called it. Is it, I don't know, I think really simple. Is that kind of like an analogy of hooking up pipes to the plumbing so it's all flowing? Is that kind of what's happening there? It is. You're hooking it all up so when you turn the faucet on, everything's there. You get your hot and cold water together. Okay. 
I like it. Now you're speaking my, you know, I'm a creative director type guy. So I think kind of visual there. That's cool. Okay. So the tools so far, you said staff getting a system in place, getting the pipes hooked up for something like a learning record source. So all of your disparate learning elements are feeding in. Is there anything else in the resources for the second recommendation here that you can think of? A lot of organizations, you know, they're Microsoft shops and they probably already have Power BI. So while that's okay. not a an investment in software, because most uh, many organizations already have a dashboarding, whether it's Tableau or Power BI, something like mm-hmm. that, they have it. But people in their learning organization probably don't know how to build databases and build okay. dashboards. So there might be the other resource might be some training for that elusive staff that we're trying to bring in. Right. Okay. Every year, Watershed and GP Strategies, uh, we do a survey of learning leaders asking about where are you in the business impact of learning spectrum of things? And one of the questions we ask is about resourcing. And what we what the survey has said year over year is, you know, 99% of the learning leaders want to measure business impact. Okay, good. They want to. <laughs> right. Um, Overwhelming. 29, 29% feel they have the capability. Wow. Interestingly, that's 29 have the capability, 28% set aside budget for measurement. I think there's a correlation there. Goodness. You know, I'm not a data genius, but if you're telling me virtually everyone wants to do it, only 29% um, have the the capabilities and even less, 28% actually put out the budget. There's definitely an opportunity gap right there. Yep. And the survey also shows the, the, the gap in staffing too. Absolutely. Not to, I'm not going to name any names here, but with one of the clients that I'm actively involved with, I'm really excited that this year, based on recommendations from you, Bonnie, and uh, our colleague, Paul Flynn, we are bringing in a dedicated data analyst for one of our uh, beloved GP clients. I'm so excited that we're walking the talk in these client engagements. So I'm so excited. I am too. I get get calls from all different clients and they want measurement and they would like me to, you know, talk to them for an hour and then they can go do measurement. And (laughs) it just doesn't work like that. You need somebody that's living in your data. Right. It's like, Bonnie, give me a good golf swing. Just just give me an hour and show me like how to make a good golf swing happen. (laughs) Not going to (laughs) happen. Oh, I can, I can whet your appetite in an hour. Yeah. Trust me, I, yes. I can get you excited about measurement, but I can't do it. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to keep us on track here. The first recommendation you said is you got to have a plan, right? We've got to, it's got to be intentional. You need to be thinking about this a year in advance. And what you were saying is keep it pretty macro here. It can't just be one tiny little element. It's like, let's look at your overall an organizational element is what I was hearing and really trying to find out how you link that organization to real world business impact, right? So that was yep. one big thing. Second thing was allocate resources. And by resources, you said staff and tools. And I think it was budget. You need to start out with the budget. Yes. Okay. So we're doing good here. We've got two great knowledge drops already. What would be your third best practice when it comes to measurement, Bonnie? You need to totally know your own data. And by your own data, I mean the Hmm. learning data. Yes, we want to get to business impact, but you need to understand your own data and get some insights out of that first, because any of our business impact data is going to start with the learner and what the learner has consumed and what they're starting to do. So we have to understand our data. Okay. By that, it's, it's your learning management system data. It's your HR data. It's that people data. Get to know that. And let me let me give an example of how this 
can really build some confidence in your team, build some credibility for your measurement. I recently had an organization, they do an annual learner survey. They've got their level ones, but they do a bigger one once a year. One of the questions, of course, is net promoter score. Would you recommend? And they get the data and there's their number because net promoter scores, we all know, gives you a number between minus 100 and 100. There it is. When you start putting on a data analyst hat, you start wanting to segment that data. You want to segment it by department. Do all departments love us the same? Guess what? (laughs) They probably don't. Then we want to segment it by age. And this is where, you know, the department differentiation we expected, the age discrimination was amazing. The learners over 50 gave them the highest net promoter score. And it was a direct downward slope from there. Interesting. So old people like the training, young people don't. (laughs) And, you know, we broke it into little segments of, you know, 20 to 25, 25 to 30, you know, age groups. And it was a straight line going downhill. As people got interesting, this now what does that mean for our us in developing training? You know, it's fine that the older people like it, but is our methodology, our our you know the tools or the the way that the training looks, is it kind of old fashioned? Right. What's going to happen is the workforce continues to get younger, and what will our promoter score be Mm. next year as some people retire and we bring in more younger people? And so, just getting those kinds of insights from your own data is amazing wow. and it builds, you get comfort with who your audience is, what the demographics are, how you're going to slice and dice the data. And important for any analyst is to feel comfortable with the data they're working with and to build credibility, even within the learning department, because maybe the learning department is kind of, yeah, there's that, that's our measurement guy. He's over there in the corner. Well, when you start bringing <laughs> insights like this, it affects oh, yeah. everybody's world. That is a perfect example of you've just taken something from you know, the, the old fashioned level one concept of, did you like this? How well did you like this training? Not, not impact, but it's that concept and this TikTok generation type thing where people don't pay attention to boring information. Boy, that right there, if you could even introduce that level of juiciness, then you're cooking with gas right there. So that is fascinating, Bonnie. And you know what, when, when I'm thinking about this idea of the, the higher level elements of, if you're getting all these data pipes connected, can you even possibly start anticipating what people might be wanting? I mean, is that something that you've even seen happen? Well, yeah, because you you start tracking this over time and you can see where the trends are. And, you know, another part of measurement that we typically don't talk about is qualitative. And when you ask these kinds of things, this is my absolute favorite thing. This is a giveaway for everybody who's listening. When you get a net promoter score question, like, would you recommend? The best thing you can do is say, please tell us why you gave us that rating. Ooh, good one. Then you've got not only why did I give you a 10 or a one out of the net promoter score, but why? And now you can start explaining it. And then you even segment that by your demographics. I can see the charts unfolding here, Bonnie. That is just (laughs) exciting. You're getting me excited about data here. You're going to be a data geek by the time we're done here, Mike. I think you're going to make me a data geek. There's no doubt about it. My, my kind of mantra is measure to prove, measure to improve. And yeah, we got the net promoter score, so we proved that we're pretty good. But to improve, you start segmenting. And now the richness wasn't, the richness of what are you going to take and what are you going to do differently did not come from the prove part of measurement. It came from that improve part. That is so good here. 
All right. So you're definitely um, selling me on the benefit of becoming a data geek here and getting to know my own data. That was a great tip number three. Moving on, we promised our listeners five. So what would be your fourth recommendation uh, for a measurement best practice? Well, number four has got to be getting aligned with your business partners, with your stakeholders. Understanding, you might think I'm talking about this as an instructional designer, about getting aligned and understanding what your business partner wants, but that's all part of measurement too. And we have actually found, Michael, that using measurement and our process of measurement mapping is a very good way to not just figure out what to measure, but to get the instructional designers aligned with the business. And when Mm. I'm talking about this measurement mapping, This is where we take our stakeholder through a conversation, a guided process to uncover what are the strategic goals? Why do they come to us for training? They're coming for a reason. What do they expect out of it? And they're not expecting a a good level one score. They're expecting some of their KPIs to move. So we have that great conversation with them and then outline it into that causal chain of evidence that we were talking about earlier so that they can see that your training will do this. And if people do that, then they'll do this. And if they do that, they'll do that. And ultimately, hmm. my KPIs are going to go up. And they see that line, that causal chain. And when we do that with business partners, good things happen. A, they believe that we understand their business and that we care. B, we know how to measure success. C, guess who has business data that we always say we can't get? They're part of this. Yeah, bada and bing. And some, and the fourth thing is they start taking ownership of the intervention because now they want to see how this is going to translate into mm. on-the-job performance. So they're going to be watching, and they might even recognize where they have to support this a little bit when the learner gets back on the job. Interesting. It's just a wonderful conversation that is just energizing for business partners, and it gives us so much information and allows us to measure success. It really is an exciting thing when you get those that are actively in the business conversing with those that are helping support on the learning and development side. And like you just said, sometimes you can actually open the vault and they might say, you know what, we've got some data locked away in, you know, whatever tableau or in some other element. Why don't we bring that in? And suddenly you're able to create these dashboards where you can ask hey, who's the units of sales of somebody that took this course, right? And then it's like, whoa, uh, that's when you're starting to cook with gas. I don't know if we can say that in this day of you know, global warming, but you know, that's when <laughs> things get really exciting. You know, you, Like you said, now the CEO wants to see the data and uh, the director of marketing and everybody. That's, that's yeah, just and really now great they're, they're not going to argue if sales go up 3% and you have this map and they agree that sales, your your training is going to contribute to this increase. When sales go up, they're going to say, yeah, you were part of it. Maybe not the whole 3% or 5%, but you contributed. You contributed, advertising contributed, product contributed, engineering, but training was a positive influence. Okay. So getting aligned with your business partners is super exciting. I can see uh, making that, carving out that time and really justifying the time of saying, hey, here's here's why we're asking you to come together with us here's our aim, right? Here's our payoff. You're going to get a lot of buy-in on that. Okay. So that's four. What would be your fifth? I guess five five is kind of sequential off of that one. It's now that you've got your business partner engaged, get the data, do that data mashup, take your learning data with the business data. So now you're trying to Mm. show the effectiveness of the training. 
Did it have an impact? Did sales go up? You know, for teaching a sales course, I like to use that. It's really an easy example. Are they making more prospecting calls? Are they getting more appointments? Are they doing more proposals? What's their closing rate? And then are they selling more? So we have those leading indicators that if it's a month after training and we haven't seen the uptick in sales yet, but wow, they're making a lot more calls and they're getting a lot more appointments, the business partner would probably agree, wow, the training is working. And I believe my causal chain that if those are happening, the sales will come. But that means getting hmm. into the business partner's data and doing that mashup. Right. And that's where it takes some data chops because you have to know how to merge various data sets and do that sort of analysis. Absolutely. And, you know, just to put a, a slight gentle plug in for one of our partners at Learning Technologies Group, for those that aren't aware, GP Strategies, as one of the world's leading talent transformation organizations, uh, offers both, you know, world-class consulting from professionals like Bonnie, learning services, and that's instructional design content development. But we also have something unique is that we have a whole host of market-ready technology platforms out there. So one that Bonnie had mentioned earlier is Watershed. And, you know, some of the things that we're talking about, this magical confluence of merging the business data with learning data can happen with tools like Watershed. So I don't know if we need to put a little plug or a you know, seek some endorsement from them on that there, Bonnie. But I think that's kind of what you're getting at here is when you have tools that are that can do all that lifting for you and you can give your data analyst uh, a powerful uh, Ferrari to drive, you can get some good things happening when you mash that up, right? Yeah, because what the tools do, just a little bit aside, uh, the, a data analyst typically spends up to 80% of their time doing what we call data wrangling. <laughs> Think of it like a cowboy <laughs> wrangling a cow. I picture zeros and ones and they've got a rope in their hand. And there you go. <laughs> so, and that, that means they only get to spend 20% of their time doing the fun stuff. And these tools like Watershed and, and such alleviate that. They let them shift their time to less data wrangling and more data, a true data analysis. Ooh. You get the data pipes hooked up and then the job gets fun, right? Then you can start making all those great correlations. And, you know, as someone that's had to struggle in the past with, like I said, getting 10 spreadsheets that are only accurate for that one second in time, but then being able to go to a dashboard and click a button and just have fresh data interpreted right there. I mean, that's, I, like I said, I could see choirs of angels raining down on me right there. So, But they all have a plan behind them, Michael. They all have a plan and they all have resources yes, <laughs> and a budget. <laughs> that's right. That's I could see your one through five coming in here. Where would you go from there? Within the data mashup, once you've got all that data set up, I mean, is there anything else that you would be uh, recommending within this number five best practice? If you're really going after business impact, Mm -hmm. where you want to show that my training did this and here, and, and I can prove it. I can show, I can show the causal effect. You need a measurement plan. We talked about an annual plan, but the measurement plan is on this initiative. And it's going to, it's going to outline what are the KPIs we're going to measure? What data are we going to go okay. get? It's going to identify the audience and your study population. I like to do it with a test and control group, you know, people who got some versus people who didn't. Mm, it's the clinical okay. drug trial concept True, where somebody yeah, gets the drug, somebody gets the placebo, yeah. because that becomes a, a very scientific way, if I may, to show 
the effect of training. Because Michael, if you and I work in the same office and you get training and I don't, and you improve and I don't, what was different? The training. <laughs> so, exactly. so we like to identify who that study population is. And that comes out in your plan before you, before you start playing with all the data. Mm. We also like to look at other influencing factors. And that means, well, did we just have a merger or acquisition? Did interest rates just go up? There's some things that will affect everybody, but then there are things more personal, more demographic, like what size is your team? How old are you? <laughs> Those kind of things that you want to take into account because you're going to get somebody that says, yeah, but the interest rates went up. Well, guess what? The people who got trained and the people who didn't get trained are operating in the same economic environment. Or they're going to say, well, region A, you know, they've got a better regional director. Okay, well, split the data by region. You want to have hmm. all of these things lined up in your plan. So A, you get the right data. I forgot to pull region. <laughs> then you can't do a regional split. And so that your analysis is complete. So you want to outline that and you want to outline the data you're going to have to get. And then how are you going to do the analysis? Are you going to be able to do a test and control group? Are you going to do a time series over time? But those sorts of things you lay out. So you have a plan. So you're not just hunting and pecking amongst the data looking for something. Again, measurement is intentional. I picture a data maze, you know, Bonnie, where if you don't have that plan out there, whether you're the executive sponsor or you're the one doing the work, it could get easy to get a little lost in that maze versus just going back and saying, okay, what are we trying to achieve? And then having that as something that's easily referenced. So that's yeah. very and we wise. We build our measurement that. plans right off the measurement map. The measurement map has already outlined what we want to measure. So it's easy, easy to come back to it. It is. I want to give our listeners a little bit of a bonus here. So if we promise five and you've done a great job, if you had a sixth recommendation, what would it be? This probably builds on, I can't even remember what numbers they were, three, four, and five, where we're starting to look at the data. It's be curious. Ask questions. It's, it's much easier to attack a pile of data if you go into it with a hypothesis or with a question. And what I have found, I had one client, he's just wonderful. He, he fell in love with measurement early on. And he said, Bonnie, now I'm scared not to know. Every time mm. you bring me something, I ask another question. And now I'm scared <laughs> not to measure because I'm, I'm afraid of not knowing, but I'm always curious about what's next. And so it's fun when you get into the data and you're familiar with your data and you start asking those other questions, you're going to uncover all kinds of insights that will improve the credibility of your learning department, will improve the quality <laughs> of the work you're delivering, and it will be fun. I'm sharing with you right now, you are converting me into a data geek as we speak. And I can see that spark of curiosity is like, that's the flame that you know, starts you at, at step one and goes all the way through it. That's fantastic. I want to say on behalf of all of our listeners, thank you so much for sharing your insight today. This has been a great conversation. Uh, I understand this is your third time on the Performance Matters podcast. Is that right? It is. Yep. I was awesome. one of the initial ones. And so I, I guess measurement continues to, to come to the top in terms of the topics that people want to hear about. It is. As the, as the year 2024 kicks off, you're number one in our hearts here. And we hope that you'll come back on very soon, Bonnie. Well, I appreciate this opportunity. And I, and I hope that we see more and more people making that investment and putting the resources behind measurement. I'm confident they will for sure. So thank you so much. Have yourself a wonderful day. The Performance Matters podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable 
You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts or listen on our website at gpstrategies.com.